0: Are you grateful to be in church today? You're grateful to be in the house of God today on Mother's Day? Ah! Uh, anybody, uh, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing for a second because I want to give honor to where honor is due. And, um, anybody else, you love church? Anybody, you, just, you love church, you love kind of a church rat? I'm a church rat. I'm a church rat. I got saved when I was 17 and I just, man, I love the house of God. I love what God does when we come together and bring our collective faith together like this. Uh, But I I do uh, wanna just say something real quick before you sit down. Uh, Great churches, and Journey Church is a great church. It's not a good church, it's a great church. And great churches don't just happen without leadership. I had a pastor say to me one time, and I believe this, leadership's always the problem, leadership's always the solution. And aren't you glad that you have great leadership here in Pastors JJ and Liz? Come on, give it up for these guys, for your pastors. And, and, and the thing that I always say about them and about JJ in particular, when, when, we're, when I'm talking to pastors that, that either know JJ or don't know JJ, I always say this. Um, I think JJ is one of the easiest guys in the world to cheer for. You know those people that, man, you just want them to do well. You know it's not gonna go to their head. You know it's not gonna mess them up. You know it's not gonna, it's not gonna puff up with pride. It's only gonna result in more people uh, coming to know Jesus. And I just, I think, I think you're just one of my favorite people in the game, bro. And I would just keep doing you. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. Just love it. Come on, give it up one more time for these guys. It's the best, the best. Right on. You could be seated, Journey Church, and uh, man, I always love coming to Journey Church because it feels like home. It feels like Grace City Church, and so uh, it just I feel like I'm preaching to the the home team today and, uh, and I do bring to you greetings from my wife. My wife loves Pastor Liz uh, and uh, just uh, she wishes she could be here but she's actually preaching at Grace City Church uh, this morning and uh, in fact we got a picture of, of my family. I do want to kind of introduce you to my family maybe uh, if, if you're new. Uh, that is my crew right there. That's my wife. Of uh, 18 years next month, the wife of my youth, Christina, and uh, uh, we got married. I was 22, she was 23, and uh, and uh, what started out as like our plan, right? Our plan was to be married for five years and then to start, you know, having children. And uh, um, you know, long story short, it took us nine years. We went on this kind of undiagnosed infertility journey, prayed for kids for nine years, and by the grace of God, four and a half years ago, um, uh, these two nuggets were born. That is is uh, uh, Justice Andrew Gard, That is uh, uh, Jay Money. We call him. He's the best. Um, has such a sweet spirit, such a sweet countenance. Uh, he's very just helpful. He's got that kind of natural, just it factor thing. And then our daughter is the tough one. She's the tough cookie. That is Adriana Grace. She is her mother's daughter, uh, and, and that is that is Addie Grace. And we just we love them. Uh, we have such a great time with them, and uh, uh, so so grateful to be here. Well, open up your Bible with me. I wanna, I wanna get right into it. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 is, is what we're gonna read out of. And then I'm gonna kinda skip over to James chapter one. And I wanna read these two verses kind of um, together and in conjunction with each other. I'm, I'm, pre- I'm gonna preach a message today called A Life Lost Kind Of. A Life Lost Kind Of. And it's out of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, it says, then Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And then verse 25, kind of an interesting turn of phrase for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he'll actually find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so Jesus lays out, hey, if you're gonna be my disciple, if you're gonna follow me, um, here's what it's gonna look like. This is what the life of a disciple uh, ought to look like. And then, and then I wanna read what James writes because I love James chapter one, verses two through four, because now James is the half brother of Jesus, right? And, and by the way, he was like one of the disciples. Now, that'd be a trip to work for your brother. Right, and so he's following, and, and I don't know, this is kind of an interesting thought. Like what would your brother, who was your boss, have to do to convince you that he was God? <laughs> it's kind of a mind blow, right? So he's following Jesus as his brother, but also as Messiah, and, and, and this is what he writes. And he actually, in some ways, takes what Jesus said, and, and he almost issues a whole other challenge, right? Because brothers gotta like one-upsmanship each other, right? And so this is what he says. He says, okay, Jesus said, deny yourself, that's tough right, take up your cross, that's tough, and follow him, that's tough. James takes it to another level. He says, I want you to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And this is why James didn't have any friends. You know what I mean? Like, like if you want no friends, just like when your friend's going through it, send them James chapter one, verse two. You're gonna be okay, buddy. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of various kinds. He goes, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, And I want you to let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given. Come on, let's pray together today over the preaching of God's word. God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is given to us to correct, to convict, to encourage, to build up uh, as we fix our gaze on you. And so Lord, uh, I pray God that we would honor you with our lives and that we would thereby see the fruit that comes when we do that. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. Um, simple question, Has anybody in here or anybody, anybody watching at the other campus, hey, do you find raising kids to be difficult? Okay, I'm, I'm not alone in that, right? Where are the parents at in the room? Let me see your hand, let me, let me yeah. Uh, this is a tough game we got into, like this, like I, I remember like four months in to, again, we had twins. I remember four months into having our kids. It's one of those like 2 a.m., you know, like two, people, two kids that have to be fed. And we look at each other and we go, we prayed for this. All right. And, and, and it's tough, man, in and, and those, those late nights. Anybody have like a kid under one right now? Where are the people you have a kid under one? Lord, right now, be with them in Jesus' name. Right? Because you're not sleeping and it's exhausting and you don't know like what's happening and you think every little move, like, you know, their life is in danger. And, and, and it's a lot. It's a lot emotionally because then what happens is, like, you know, your, your kids get sick. And so as a parent, you're like, oh man, I wish I, could, I wish I could take their sickness from them, And I wish I could feel their sickness and not that. And, and, and you feel that, which, funny story, by the way, I'm gonna share this, full disclosure, right? Uh, we were actually in Colorado with your pastors. We were in Colorado hanging out with a bunch of pastors. We were with your pastors and, and uh, they brought their kids, which good on you for bringing the boys. Uh, we left our kids at home, you know what I mean? Because there is vacation and then there are trips, when it's just Christine and I, that's a vacation. When the kids are with us, that's a trip, right? And so, so they were on a family trip. We were on vacation and, and, and they, they had the boys and, uh, and Zane get, got um, elevation sickness, right? He gets elevation sickness. So he was throwing up and, and we were in the elevator. I remember where we were, we we're in the elevator and I'm like, oh man, isn't that the worst? Me and Christine are like, isn't that the worst guys? Like, Don't you wish you could like take it from your kids when they feel like that? And I love Liz, Liz goes, nope. <laughs> He's gonna be all right. He'll be fine. He can throw up a little bit. He's gonna be A-OK, right? But sometimes you wish you could take it from them. And, and, and then what happens now is our kids are like four and a half. So they have thoughts and opinions now. They, they have emotions and uh, they ask questions we don't know the answer to. And so we have to Google that stuff. And, and, and th- there's a lot of things that go on. I, in fact, I would say this. I don't think anything in my life has, constata- has constituted a greater output from me than raising children. I mean, it is output, 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 and then it's a financial output. Hello, after, even after the emotions, you know, as if you know, that the emotional output is not bad enough, then they take your money. <laughs> Things like preschool's expensive and food's expensive, and it, it, it's, just, it's just a major output. But if you're a parent in the room, you, you probably know this too. Outside of my relationship with Christina, I don't know that, in fact, I, I, I can say, I do know confidently that there are not people who give me a greater return as a result of my output than my kids. And, and can I just encourage you, take that feeling of output versus input, magnify it by like 100, and you begin to scratch the surface on your relationship with God. Right, right, th- there is an output to your relationship with God. It's not non-existent. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, not non-existent. Right? So, so, so there, is, there is an output to it, but I can tell you this, nothing will give you a greater return than your relationship with God. And so we have to get out of this mindset that we are sacrificing for Jesus. In fact, usually whenever I'm preaching, I know JJ has to do the same thing sometimes. Sometimes you just can't build um, you know, before you break down. And one of the things that I wanna break down for just a second is we have to get out of this, I'm sacrificing for Jesus type of mentality. We have to get out of this, oh man, I'm, sa-. In, in fact, the Old Testament said it like this, to obey is better than sacrifice. Jesus is not interested in your sacrifice, he's interested in you, And the problem is if we continually have this mentality that we are sacrificing for Jesus, then that puts us in the savior position. And in the reality, in your relationship with God, there is but one savior, his name is Jesus Christ. You are not sacrificing for him, he sacrificed for you. And here's my point, my only point today is this, is that what you lay down for Jesus will be overwhelmed by what he adds to you. I believe that with my whole heart. What you lay down for Jesus will be overwhelmed by what he adds to your life. Every precept and every way of God is specifically designed for your flourishing. So whenever you think he's removing something from you, he's not removing something from you, he's getting something out of the way so that he can add to you the thing that he has always wanted to give to you. And in verse 24 and 25, Jesus starts out this scenario and you talk about some of the most direct means of what Jesus is asking for. We have it right here in verse 24. It says, then Jesus tells his disciples, if you're gonna come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and you have to follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, Have you ever admired something about somebody and you admired it and you full stop admired it, but you didn't really want to do it, All right? You ever, like right now, this is playing out in our home pretty dramatically because my wife is, uh, she is one year away. So she's getting ready to step into the dissertation phase of her PhD, right? And this is a PhD in clinical psychology. This will be her third graduate degree. And, and I'm watching her do everything she does. I'm watching her lead the church with me as she does. I'm watching her, she's a professor, she's a mom of two four-year-old twins, and she's working on her PhD. And I'm watching her do all this stuff, and I'm watching her like take her classes um, uh, you know, through Regent you know, for her PhD, and I'm going, wow, you're amazing. And every once in a while, like a little demon gets in me, and, 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 and I have this thought, and, and I think, maybe I should get my doctorate but then I cast out that devil and I'm like, nah, see, we're good, we're good. Why? Because there's, there's, a, there's a difference when you admire somebody and when you worship somebody, right? Because when you admire somebody, you admire what they're doing from afar, but you're not necessarily gonna take it upon yourself. You're just gonna admire it from afar. And I think too many of us, I really believe in this, and probably all of us at different times, I think too many of us have an admirational relationship with Jesus. I think we really admire him. And I think we watch him and we love the stuff and we go, look at him go. Look at the compassion. Look at the forgiveness. Look at the empathy. Look, look at how he's, how he's oper- Wow. Good for him. See, when you admire something, there's not a call to become like it. But when you worship something, Jesus did not come for you to admire him. He came for you to worship him. Because if you admire him, you might not become like him. If you worship him, you will inevitably become like him. And so you and I gotta get out of this, like admiring Jesus, and and we gotta go, oh man, Uh, he laid out some steps of some things that he's asking of me. And he he laid out three things, and I wanna go through them kind of quickly. He says, you gotta deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so I wanna deal with those individually. Let's start with the first one. We need to deny ourselves. We need to deny ourselves. Now we are living in a culture of self-indulgence and yet our savior requires as one of his followers that we live with self-denial. And in our modern context, in our, and in our current, I mean, these words were true a couple thousand years ago when he said them. I think they're even more true now. Because we are currently living in a climate where a term like self-denial is like a swear word. Like like a a term like, in fact, I know people that have called it unhealthy, right? We live in a culture that that looks at self-denial. No, 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 don't deny anything about you. Step into the things about you, even if it's your lowest nature. And yet Jesus goes, no, no, this this is counter to kingdom. And even right when I got saved, there was something instinctive in me that knew that self-denial was gonna be a part of my journey with Jesus. Like I had just gotten saved. I was 17 years old. It was the first time I had ever heard the gospel was when I was 17 years old and I responded to it. Right and, and and I respond to the gospel message and I pray with these guys and, and you know I was like in a church environment like this it wasn't church it was like an event but it was an environment like this I had never been in an environment like this these guys pray with me and I'm praying you know what we call in the church the sinner's prayer and I'm praying dear Jesus come into my life make me brand new forgive me my sins and and, and I start bawling I mean I'm 17 years old I start bawling come on anybody like you you ever cry just like ah! you ever cry like. You know, like that, you know, the, you ever cry so hard, you go look at yourself in the mirror? You ever, you ever do it? Like I was having one of those, like, uh, like I gotta see what I look like, like right? And I was, I was having one of those kind of cries. And, and afterwards, um, again, and, and I, by the way, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I got like all the way saved. Like I got like really saved from some things. Like anybody in here, like you got all the way, you know what I'm talking about. You got all the way saved. Like, like you were a little ratchet and you were like a little like wild and you were like, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand again. Yeah, yeah. the rest of you, good for you, man. <laughs> but some of us know we got all the way saved. And I went from like doing drugs with my friends the day before to like carrying my Bible to school like the next day. And, and, and so I had just gotten saved and the first weekend post me getting saved was coming up, which for somebody like me, this was like a, it's a big moment, right? This is how real is this? And I remember I was, I was with my friend, Nick, and we would drive to school together and, and we were pulling up to the parking lot and he asked this, and this was, you know, Thursday. And he asked the same question he would ask every Thursday for the last few years. Hey man, uh, uh, what are we getting into this weekend? Hey, hey what are we doing? And, and I just, I'm, oh man, you know, I'm not really, remember I told you, I'm like, I'm following Jesus. I'm not really doing that stuff anymore. And he goes, oh, that's for real, huh? And I was like, yeah, like it's, it's for real. I'm not really doing that. And then we get into this conversation about like life with Jesus. And then he hit me with this. And some of you, you've gotten hit with this, right? When you're talking to your friends, cause you're trying to make your life better and you're trying to make sound decisions. You're trying to, you know, like live for God. You've gotten hit with this one. He said, oh, you think you're better than us now? Come on, you ever got hit with that? He hit me with the, oh, you think you're better than us now? And instinctively at 17 years old, I go, no, no, no. I don't think I'm better than you, but I definitely think I'm better than that. And I think there's a number of us in this room. You have to understand that you are not better than anybody. I'm not better than anybody, but you are absolutely positively better than some of the decisions you're making. You are absolutely better than some of the positions that you're putting yourself. You are absolutely better than some of these circumstances and some of these addictions and some of these, some of these habits. And, and, and until you see yourself like that, self-denial will be hard. But once you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, you'll go, oh, no, no, I'm made for more than that. I'm better than that. I'm more elevated than that. I'm more called than that. I'm more qual-, like God wants to do something in me. And so Jesus says, hey, if you're gonna come follow me, you gotta deny yourself. And, and, and by the way, denial, self-denial is going to be a part of your life. The question is, will you deny your flesh now or will you be denied of the promises God has for you later? Which one? But self-denial is a part of the equation. And so he says, hey, hey, you have to deny yourself. But then the next thing he says, you have to take up your cross. You have to take up your cross. And here's what he means by that. Every single one of you have a calling. Every single one of you has have an assignment, and you have to know what that is. In fact, if I were to ask you a question, what do you want to be known for? It's an interesting question, right? Because there's a lot of things that we can be known for. right? There's a lot of tertiary parts of our personalities that we can be known for. In fact, have you ever had a friend introduce you to like another friend of theirs, and they used a descriptor when they introduced you, and you felt a lot of pressure to live up to whatever they just said? that ever happen to you? Like, you know, like if you introduce, hey, this is my friend Ron, he's brilliant. Okay, do something brilliant, Ron, right? This literally happened to me a couple months ago. I was in uh, the grocery store and as this lady sees me, and she's like, oh, and she was like, she was pumped, man. She was pumped and she was super excited. She's like, Pastor Andrew, how's it going? I go to the church and did it. And she's talking all loud and like, it was awesome, right? And, and she had a friend with her and she starts introducing me uh, to her friend. There's like, this is my pastor, this is Pastor Andrew. He's incredible. You gotta come to our church, it's the best, da, da, da. And she was like, he's so funny. And this lady looked at me like, I don't know if she wanted me to start juggling or like, I, I didn't know, like, like she wanted me to do something funny. Like when somebody introduced, I, I, I didn't know what to, I was like, hi. Like I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Now again, there's a lot of other things about our personalities, but, but, but I wanna be known for something other than just being funny. And, and what's interesting is Jesus was known for a lot of things. He was known for a lot. Like this brother walked on water. Impressive. Impressive. It's unbelievable, right? This, this, dude, what? this dude would go to funerals and ruin them. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he would like go to funerals and then Michael Jackson Thriller, like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this changed everything, right? Jesus fed thousands of people with a Lunchable. Impressive. But only one thing became the logo. Uh, those other things are amazing, they're great but his assignment was the cross. Can I encourage you? You have to know what your assignment is. You gotta work, you gotta make money, you gotta raise, you gotta raise your kids. Like, there are things that you just, responsibility-wise, you have to do. But can I encourage you, by the way, you're at a great church to discover what your assignment is. And so Jesus says, hey, hey, you gotta, you gotta deny yourself, but also you better find your cross, you better find your assignment. Because if you find your assignment, you find purpose. And when you find purpose, the believer cannot be stopped. And and, and then he says, hey, hey, you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross. And then the other part, he says, you have to follow me. Other translations, I love that other translations add the word daily. He says, you have to follow me daily. I, I think sometimes the most overwhelming thing to following God is that we think we have to do everything that he's called us to do in one day. And let me just tell you, you can't, and you don't have to. You don't have to do it all in a day. See, we're in an interesting place as our church, Grace City Church, Um, uh, not too dissimilar to to your church where it's growing and we got multiple services and we got a couple locations and and we're trying to figure out, okay, where's our forever home gonna be? And so we we locked in on some land that we think it's probably gonna be it. and, And now we're in that weird season of church to where we're not really like brand new yet. You know, we're not brand new anymore. So we're not, you know, we're a year older than you guys. We're not a brand new church. So we don't got like the brand new church stuff like vibe, but also we're not like these 20-year-old churches where there's like, you know, just resources and, and all this kind of, we're, we're in that in-between phase. And so I'm talking to contractors and we're talking to people and, uh, and they're like, okay, you know, if you buy this land and you build phase one, you're gonna have to raise a bajillion dollars. That's what they told me, a bajillion dollars. I'm like, is that, is, is that the real number? Yep, it's a bajillion. I'm like, okay, cool. And I gotta be honest, I'm like, this is a lot. This is like kind of overwhelming. I really miss the living room. Let's go back to the living room. Let's go back to the back patio. Things were a lot less complicated. And, and, and to be honest, it's easy for it to feel overwhelming of all these things, this vision that God has given me and, the, and this vision of, of, of how we're reaching people across Central Florida and, and how all that is, is playing out. It's overwhelming. But over the last couple of weeks, I'd spent time with a pastor named Chris Hodges who pastors Church of the Highlands that, that you know, your pastor would be you know, an art church and, and we kind of all kind of run in the same circles. And I was looking at, now, by the way, they had sixty six zero thousand people at church last Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, doesn't make any sense. And, and I'm walking around and he's showing me buildings. And, and the thing that I was so encouraged by is it's easy to go, oh man, because the, the thing that helped me is he said, no, no, we built this one first. And then we built this one second. And then we built this one third. And what did he do? He put it in bite-sized pieces for me. And he was like, Andrew, you can do this. You, you can do it. And, and some of you, you, you gotta be encouraged today. Just follow him daily. It's, it's not all gonna happen in a day, but it absolutely will happen daily. And, and, and so I, I think sometimes we see other people's journey and we get envious or, 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 or whatever, and we go, oh man, like, and, and we don't really understand how to get there. Can I just say, follow Jesus today. Follow, give Jesus your best today. Give him everything you got today. Give him your resources today. Give him your mind today. Give him your heart today. You don't get there in a day, but you have to get there daily, and and so then Jesus juxtaposes, okay, here's what it is to follow me, and, and then he kind of gives the other side. He said, "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul?" So it begs the question, right? We ask the question, "What do you want to be known for?" Which is reputation, but here's another question: What do you want? What do you want? What do you want the manifestation of that reputation to be? See, the awareness that we live with determines what we catch. This is why I'm such a big fan of you and I living constantly aware of what's going on, right? Constantly aware of what's prophetically going on in the earth. I think that's incredibly important. I think uh, uh, being aware of what's going on right here in your mind, being aware of what's going on in your heart, because if you are not aware of these things, you won't catch things that you should catch. You won't catch attacks that you should catch. You won't catch tricks of the enemy that you should catch. Like, and the best way I can think to illustrate it, and I, I gotta be honest, I'm gonna share an illustration. Now, I pride myself on being very highbrow humor. However, uh, this illustration that I'm gonna give, it's very lowbrow. Okay, it's, it's very juvenile, but just go on the journey with me uh, if you wouldn't mind, okay? Um, but have you ever kind of been going about your day and you look over, maybe you're walking into Starbucks or you're just, you're, you're at work, you're just going about your day and you look over and somebody is bent over and their shirt isn't like going all the way to their pants. Like their whole backside from like their lower back and like, like somewhere around their buttocks area is exposed. You just kind of navigate, just go with me for a second. I know this is very low brow. Just go with me for a second, Okay. And, and you ever like look over and you're like, oh man, I, I didn't want to see that today. I was just trying to go about my day. I was just trying to go to work. I was just trying to work out. I was just trying to go to get, get a cup of coffee. I'm on my lunch break. I'm not here for that. You know what I mean? Like that's not what I wanted to see today. And, and by the way, uh, this even happens sometimes at church. In fact, they had to invent something because this would happen at the altar. And they invented these things called modesty cloths. Now, if you grew up in church, you've seen mod, if you grew up at a Pentecostal church, you've seen modesty cloths. Now I gotta be honest, I didn't grow up in church, so my wife has helped me. My wife is a pastor's kid from rural Alaska, real Pentecostal AG church, right? And so, she, so one time I was preaching at this thing and we did an altar call and there were people at the altar and these people, this team came out of nowhere. I was like, where did they come? They came out of nowhere and they started putting these cloths on people's back. Start putting these cloth, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm preaching, and I'm like, ah! and I'm like, I'm looking at my wife, I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? And she signed, she was like, modesty cloth, like, right? I was like, modesty cloth, modesty cloth, that's what she said, modesty cloth? And, and, and they're putting, a, now by the way, I wanna know, how do you get assigned to that team? Like, hey, you haven't tied in six months, uh, we're, we're making you look, like, <laughs> So all these people are putting modesty clothes on people because like, man, we don't wanna see that. I'm trying to connect with God. I don't wanna see that. And all of us, we've been dealing with this for years. You've been dealing with this for years. You've been seeing this for years. And it begs a very important question. It's a question that I've been wrestling with as I, as I have found myself in this situation it's, it, that I would love to ask. I haven't gotten the answer quite just yet, but the question that I would always ask is, you don't feel that? like like you can't you can't feel the air because, because right none of us are too good for we've all found ourselves in a prayer situation where where you're praying a little pre-service prayer and you're like ooh there's no shame in being in that situation we we've, we've all we've all been in that situation but i'm always like you can't feel like i can feel it Like you can't feel that. Like you could just like, just be out and not feel that. Man. But then I kind of get it. There's a part that I kind of get because I've been pastoring people for like 20 years now. And I meet with people a lot. And I see people, even people following Jesus that are making soul destructive decisions and their souls just exposed. And what I really want to say is you don't feel that. Like, like you, you, you just can't, you can't feel that in your pursuit to follow Jesus, your soul is just exposed, that, that you say you want God and yet you're trying to gain the world. It's like, man, man you, like you can't feel, like some of you, you've been, you've been a Christian for a long time and you've never gotten in the game with like tithing and bringing your resources to God's storehouse, which is clearly in scripture. And I'm like, you've been robbing God, the, the Bible's words, not mine. You've been robbing God and you can't feel that? Like you can't, some of you, you've been enjoying church for a long time and that's awesome and like come to church and we're glad you're here, but you're like, you're saying you're a believer and you wanna make an impact, but you're not on a team. Like you can't feel, like you got gifts and you're just sitting in the seat. You can't feel that? Some of you, it's like, man, your marriage is in trouble, but you're just pushing like nothing's wrong. It's like, you can't feel that? Some of you, you 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 love God and you're in a dating relationship, but you're having sex and you're not married. Like you can't, you can't feel, that. I knew it would get quiet there. You can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't feel that. And, and let me just say this. I know, I know I can say this at this church. It'd be the same at our church. Like, listen, there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but that's doing something to your soul that you ought not underestimate, I, I think, listen, some of you, like, you, you, you lie all the time. Some of you, you, you just lie all the time. You just, some people have a cup of coffee, you have a lie. <laughs> you don't feel that? Some of you, you just, got, you just gossip and you trash people in conversation. Come on, we've all been there. Have you ever left a conversation and went, ew? Ah. You know what that is? That's called feeling it. Oh man, my soul is. What good is it to gain the whole world if I'm if my soul is bankrupt? And I think even as Christians, if you're a Christian in this room, I think even as Christians, we're getting too comfortable with like nothing left in the soul bank. We're just getting too comfortable with it, man. And can I just encourage you? God cares about your soul. He cares about your soul. And so, so he says, hey, hey, don't, don't forfeit your soul to gain anything. And then James says this, and, and, and here's why I wanted to add this passage, is because you and I, we need the test. Because if you ask me how I'm doing, hey, how you doing at self-denial? I'm oh, good, good. Hey, how you doing at carrying your cross? I think I'm doing pretty good. But we, we, you never know how you're doing until you're tested. You you, like you you never know how you're doing. Into in, in fact, the other day I had a friend that like posted. I, I thought it was like the most innocuous thing. I, I thought it was the most innocuous thing, uh, and, and he said this. He just said, "Hey, um, I've never seen a Christian flourishing without the local church," and and he kind of said a little more than that and and my friend got just blasted on social media in the comment section and people are like, well, I, I haven't been to church in six months and I've never been closer with God. And, and, and honestly, that became like a theme, like he even had to like address it. And, and that became like a theme in the comments where all these people that were like, no, I was hurt by the church and, and, and I haven't been to church in six, and I've never felt closer to God. And I wanted to jump into the comments. I really, really did. <laughs> I didn't, but I wanted to. And I think some of you have been in this room where you're like, oh man, I'm I'm doing good. But listen, the problem is, if you're not in community, how do you know? Like if if I would have jumped into the comment section when somebody said, oh, I haven't been to church in six months, but I've never been closer with Jesus, my question would have been, how do you know? Because it's the interaction with people. Like how do I know if I'm patient if there's no one to be patient with? Like, how do I know if I'm generous if there's nothing to be generous towards? How do I know if I'm forgiving if there's nothing to forgive? See, I don't know how I'm doing without the test. I, I, I don't know, hey, am I really carrying my cross without the test? And so I love it says, hey, consider it pure joy. When you go through tests, why? Because the testing of your faith, it produces something. It produces steadfastness, and steadfastness, when when it has its full effect, you will be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Too many times we try to pray away the test. Like, if I were to ask you, how many of you like being tested? Let me see your hand. How many of you like being tested? Genuine question, how many of you like being tested? Yep, there's always like four really weird people. Like if my wife was here standing in the front row, she would have raised her hand. She's like, I love being evaluated. <laughs> Those are all the magna cum whatevers, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> but if I ask you this, there's like four people that raised their hand in a room this big. But if I ask you this, how many of you like using things that have been tested? See where I'm going? It would stand to reason that God is the same. That God delights in using things that have been tested. Because until you've been tested, we don't know if you're gonna carry your cross. Until you've been tested, uh, you don't really know if you can deny yourself. Until you've been tested, you don't really know, are you in and are you following Jesus daily for the rest of your life? Test builds strength. This is why, be careful of the tests you're trying to avoid. I spent my whole academic career trying to avoid tests. Be careful of the test you're trying to avoid. Because you might be praying away future strength. You might be avoiding future strength. And every test that God does, what's it doing? It's building you for the future. It's building your strength for the future. Right now, let me encourage somebody, you're in the middle of a test, that's okay. God's building something in you. You're tested. And and by the way, it feels overwhelming to you. That's okay, hang in there. Get in your group, ask them to pray for you. Come up to the altar for response. Lean in, show up to women's conference, like like be around. Tell the right people, let them pray for you. Some of you, you're on the other side of the test and you have built up strength. You need to testify to that for the people that are in it right now you gotta testify that, man, there was a time where I was overwhelmed too. There was a time where I was in debt too. There was a time where I didn't know how I was gonna pay my bills too. There was a time where I was sick too. There was a time where I was overwhelmed raising kids too. There was a time where I felt lonely too, but not for the grace of God. I wouldn't have got through it. And he's building me and he's strengthening me and he's encouraging me and he's doing something in my life. And he would have never been able to do that if I would not have went through the test. Is anybody else grateful for a God that calls us to carry our cross to follow him daily and to be encouraged as we walk with him. There's no greater thing you can do with your life than follow Jesus. This is not a sacrifice. This is not payment. He paid it all. This isn't a sacrifice. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. It's the joy of my heart to serve God. It's the joy of my life to serve His people. It's the joy of my life to testify to His goodness. It is a joy to serve God. It's a pleasure to serve in the presence of the King. It's not a sacrifice. I didn't give up anything. It's a life lost. Kinda. It's actually a life found. I'm grateful that God wants to help us discover that our life. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. If you're not standing yet, I'm gonna ask that you would bow your head and I wanna ask a couple questions. The first question at both locations is this, if you're in this room right now, or if you're at the other location, and if you and I were to go out to lunch right now, and if I were to ask you, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If your answer is anything but a resounding yes, I believe this is why you came to church today. If your answer is, ah, man, I used to follow Jesus, but I've walked away from him, and I sure do wanna come home today. The Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. So for some of you, man, this is gonna be like a birthday. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm gonna ask, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to just lock out out your elbow and lift up your hand. And you just say, yep, pastor, that's me. Please pray for me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I wanna start a life with him and ask him to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, ready? One, two, three. Go and lift up your hand. Both locations. Just shoot it up, shoot it up, shoot it up. Beautiful. A lot of hands. God's meeting you right where you're at, forgiving you of your sin, washing you white as snow, starting you on a new path. Lord, I pray right now, for every single person surrendering their life to you or rededicating their life to you. Lord, I pray, God, that you would plant seeds deep in their soul. And God, that they would take joy in denying themselves. That they would take joy in following you daily. God, that we would take joy in taking up our purpose and taking up our cross. And God, there is no greater thing that we can do with our life than to worship you. God, we don't admire you, we worship you. So, Lord, I pray for every single person, God, that you would move powerfully in their life. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen and amen. Come on, can we applaud those that made a decision to follow Jesus? Come on, how good. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com slash give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.